Welcome to the 2018 Prima Podcast Series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education and Training at Prima. On this Prima Podcast, JJ Schmidt will discuss how disruptive technology can change claims management. JJ Schmidt is Senior Vice President of CareWorks. Mr. Schmidt oversees Team Comp York's approach to managing workers' compensation claims that combines sophisticated data analytics, medical and claims expertise, and adaptive technology to improve claims outcomes and lower costs. JJ works on integration of managed care services with York's claim operations to ensure effective and efficient use of these services to deliver maximum benefits. He is also responsible for identifying and developing new managed care services for CareWorks and York's claims operations. We will also be joined by Taekwon Gilbert, a member of Prima's education and training team. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. JJ, thank you for joining us today. What is a disruptive technology? So we hear a lot about disruptive technology. And what I often find is that this word sometimes gets conflated with the concept of innovation. So there's really two things that we want to talk about, and there's disruption versus innovation. Then you also have kind of disruptive innovations. Um, But from a purely technology perspective, you know, disruptive technology is something that's just going to alter a technology that's going to alter the way that businesses operate. So it might force companies to change their approach to business, And if they don't, you know, they have the potential to lose market share or potentially become irrelevant. So, uh, you know, we see a number of different disruptive technologies. Specifically, easy ones to think about are something like photography, right? So back in the day, we used to actually put film into a camera, and we don't do that anymore. We, uh, you know, we use digital cameras, and now we've even got away from the use of digital cameras in our phone has really become our camera. So, you know, that's an example of kind of a technology that's changed things. Coupled with that, you could even look at, you know, the use of your smartphone or an iPhone or your Android phone versus a laptop, right? You now have access to the Internet and many connectivity points on your phone that we didn't used to have anymore. So it's really relegated the the laptop or a similar device where we had to have that to access the Internet it's really, you know, kind of made that more irrelevant. And there's lots of different ways that we can access the Internet now. So it's broadened the access, and uh, as a result of that disruption, it's kind of made this other device, you know, somewhat irrelevant. What are some of the recent disruptive technologies in the claims management industry, and what was the impact? Kind of keeping along that same lines in terms of thinking about smartphones, right? We could think back to, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, not a lot of people would have had smartphones. They might have had a cell phone uh, that was somewhat restrictive in terms of what it could or could not do. But now, as we look at, you know, our phones, most people would have some sort of smartphone, which means that they can access the Internet, and it's more advanced than just an actual telephone in and of itself. So when we think about the growth of smartphones, uh, it's allowed people to be more mobile. Uh, it's allowed them to take more of their technology with them to different places. So that starts to change the way that we work. And then you tie that in with kind of cloud computing, 
the fact that we can have constant access to the internet. And I think from a work perspective, it changes the way that what adjusters did, right? You don't need to have your desktop. You don't need to have all of these reference materials on your desk because oftentimes you can have access to them, you know, via the cloud to your phone. So it allows you to be kind of more mobile. And I think that's what we're seeing more work from home, more remote workers. And I think that's in part a growth of technology. I think, you know, another kind of disruptive technology we've seen is really just the explosion of computing power and and data storage, right? You know, we've exponentially seen the ability to store more and more information, uh, to access it in different ways, to access it faster. You know, remember the days when, you know, you'd kind of hit enter on your computer and you'd have to wait, you know, a few seconds before you got a response back. Well, that's, that doesn't happen anymore. And what that's done is it's allowed us to use the data. So when we talk about big data, it allows us to use all of that data in numerous different ways. And I think that's where we've started to see the growth in more predictive analytics in the claim business so that we can look to see which of those claims are going to become more complex, which of those claims might benefit from greater resources. And we're able to make some of those decisions using a lot of that data that we now have access to. So when you think about health records or bill review data, pharmacy data, claims data, all of that information, I think, is uh, contributing to our ability to really get access to the information and use it in ways that, that we weren't able to do before. And not just a centralized small group, but it really empowers an adjuster or a claim manager or a risk manager to have access to huge quantities of information and the ability to do much more significant analysis potentially than they did before. I think, you know, paperless is another technology, right? You know, gone are the days when we had to have a lot of paper in an office. You know, I can remember years ago working in claims and almost half of our office was paper files. And those days are really gone. You don't you don't see so much use of paper because we're able to digitize so much more information or scan and then retain those records very differently than we did in the past. So I think that's that's really changing the way that an adjuster works. Uh, you know, a risk manager might interact with their claim partners because they're able to share much more of this information easier. I think another technology that we're starting to see some use of, and we'll talk about this a little bit later probably, but is more the use of drones. I think, you know, that's a technology that started to come into the claim management business. Uh, you know, we've seen some uses of it, you know, uh, in disaster situations or, uh, you know, even, you know, with some of the recent uh, disasters around fires and floods, the use of drones to do some of the preliminary investigations. So we're starting to see it, and it's changing, I think, the way that we would have done potentially field investigation in the past. So I think that's, you know, another type of, you know, potential technology that we're seeing that's changing what we do. What are some of the current challenges in claim management that are creating a need for these disruptive technologies? So I think there's a number of different challenges that we're starting to see. The one that I think is the easiest one to spot out is you know, the different generational approach to how claims will be managed. 
And I think we can think about that both from the adjuster perspective, but also from the claimant perspective, right? So when we think about, say, Generation Z, uh, the younger generation, these are what we would call digitally native consumers, right? So they've spent a lifetime using technology and interacting with other people, interacting with other organizations through technology. So when we think about what's easiest ways for them to communicate, it's often through text. It's not through voice communication, and that's usually a preference. So they have different demands from a consumer perspective in terms of an injured worker or a claimant, how they would interact with an organization. I think the same would be true from an adjuster perspective. So if you're hiring somebody within a claim organization and the person is, let's say, a Generation Z person, they're going to be expecting a higher grade and use of technology. So their expectation will be coming in that we'll have certain advanced analytics, that you would have you know, certain types of interfaces or tools that they're able to use to help them to do their job because they're experiencing that in other aspects of their life in terms of what they're doing. So I think, you know, when we think about that as a challenge, we're oftentimes using technology from a claim perspective that's much older, that hasn't been adapted. And from a practice perspective, we're still thinking about things in ways that we did 10 or 15 years ago. So as an example, you know, a claimant contact Well, in this realm, it might not be over the phone. That might not be the best or most preferred way that either the claimant or the adjuster feels comfortable communicating. So we have to start to recognize and accept that digital communications may be more of the norm for a different generation. I think, you know, another challenge, you know, that's kind of creating a need is really the the speed of response or the speed of service, right? So when you get an email, or I should say if you send an email, typically now people will expect to respond immediately. Or if you send someone a text, their anticipation is if you don't respond to them within a very short period of time that you either didn't get it or you're not you're, you're ignoring it or you're not providing a level of service that they're expecting. So I think that's a challenge that we're going to have to face in terms of the expectations around speed of service, because it's going to mean that as an industry, we'll have to target attention to certain types of technologies. You know, that's really going to drive a change potentially in the way that that we do things from a claim perspective. I think another challenge that we're facing that I think technology can address is really the impact of chronic diseases. So, And this tends more on the workers' compensation side of things, but more and more people are identified as having some sort of chronic condition. So these non-communicable chronic diseases are now the biggest drivers of global healthcare spending, and it's approaching close to 75% of the costs around, you know, these chronic conditions like diabetes and heart disease, et cetera. So they're more behavioral in nature, which means that, you know, in many ways, we can impact them through behavioral changes, you know, within an individual, but they're impacting the way that we handle and manage claims because there are these conditions that are going to be present that may not be the primary cause, but they're going to exacerbate 
whatever it is that we're going to be trying to manage. So we know that they can get worse over time. So if you have a long-term exposure, this lends itself to, you know, potentially increasing the complexity of that exposure over time. But as we think about it, then we start to say, well, what kinds of incentives or technologies can help to change that longer-term trend? And there, there are things that are out there. And again, I think we'll talk about, you know, potentially some of the different technologies that we'll see on the horizon. But I think another challenge from a claim management perspective that we're seeing that's really creating a need for some of these technologies is there's a move to more outcomes-based performance or value-based performance and payment. So whether it's in the healthcare field or whether it's in the claim management field, what people are looking for is, you know, what, what are the results? What are the outcomes? And some of this is, is related to the way that we now focus on scores and rating systems, right? So when we, in other aspects or other services, when we're looking for things, we're looking for those things that are highly rated or highly reviewed or have, uh, you know, certain efficacies that we can see from an outcomes perspective. So I think we're going to start to see more of that demand from a claim administration perspective, from a healthcare perspective, you know, what did you do? How did you change my results? So that's going to drive things like outcome-based payments, pay for performance, probably capitation models. We'll see more of those, you know, and it's really driven to get consistency across a performance level. So you want to reduce those variations in terms of the outcomes and by using some of these outcome-based payments, you're probably better able to determine kind of the comparative effectiveness of treatments or medicines or even adjusters. So you can see who potentially performs better on certain types of claims so that you can, again, more strategically analyze that information to assign files differently and achieve a more consistent outcome. So I think that those are some, you know, easy things that we can think about from current challenges just from a marketplace and business operations perspective that are, that are going to create a need for some of these technologies. We hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here are some words from Prima's member services manager, Danica Williams, regarding Prima membership benefits. Prima is a membership organization dedicated to advancing the knowledge and practice of risk management in the public sector. Prima members come from a diverse range of disciplines, entity types, sizes, and share a variety of titles, including risk manager, human resources professional, workers' compensation coordinator, employee benefits coordinator, claims administrator, safety personnel, risk pool administrator, just to name a few. Despite their titles, there is one resounding theme among these individuals and that is that they manage risks within their entity and importantly, risks affecting the public interest. Prima members enjoy a robust array of educational programming, risk management resources, and networking opportunities. Some of Prima's member benefits include access to blogs, podcasts, webinars, Prima's job bank, Prima's online community where members have the ability to connect share and solicit information directly from their colleagues, Prima's library of risk management documents, Prima's flagship publication, the Public Risk Magazine, and member discounts to all Prima events and training. 
Becoming a Prima member is one of the most worthwhile career investments a risk management practitioner can make, not just for themselves, but for their entire entity. To learn more about Prima member resources, visit primacentral.org. How well does the claims management business embrace and adapt to these disruptive technologies compared to other industries? This is the hard part. So we're probably not as an industry as good as we could be in terms of embracing this, you know, these technologies and processes. And there's a number of different reasons for that. And I think most people would look at the systems that they're using or the processes that they're using, and they tend to be systems and processes that have existed or been managed in a very similar way for 15 years, 20 years, et cetera. And I think that we're starting to embrace more innovation and more creative approaches to how we manage things, but we still got a ways to go. So, you know, why is that? I, I think just as a business, you know, when we're talking about risk management, it means that as an organization, as an industry, we tend to be more conservative, right? So we're, we're less risk averse. So we'll often want to see things that have been done or tried in other industries or that are more accepted before we would move into them ourselves. And again, I think that's just inherent in the nature of risk management is you want to avoid risk and avoid the unknown. So I think that's one of the reasons. I do think that another significant reason that we're not so easily able to embrace and adapt to some of these disruptive technologies is that there's a lot of jurisdictional and regulatory requirements. So, you know, in certain jurisdictions, you still have to print a physical check and mail it to somebody. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even remember how many checks that I wrote last year, physical checks, you know, because most of that is done, for me at least, online. You know, most people get paid online through some sort of uh, electronic funds transfer, you see people exchanging money through a variety of different sources like PayPal, but from a claim administration perspective, we're still required, again, to print physical checks or create a physical paper form and mail it to somebody and have them fill it out. So I think that that's some of the things from a jurisdictional and regulatory perspective that does hold the industry back, which is unfortunate, but that. I think gives us the opportunity to try to work with some of those jurisdictional or regulatory partners to help them maybe to be more innovative and embracing of some of these disruptive technologies. But, you know, also I would say that it's a price-sensitive business, right? Whether you're looking at claim administration, whether you're looking at it from a, you know, from a client perspective in terms of some of the the public entities that are risk management organizations, they're very sensitive around price right, and cost. And as a result of that, that sometimes means that we're not able to make those investments in technology that we would want to because we're a little bit more focused on the cost and the price of some of this information. So that's, that's a challenge, but what we're starting to see now is that technology in and of itself is becoming less expensive. So whether it's data storage, whether it's, you know, being able to transmit information or even some of the hardware tools that we use, 
or don't necessarily need anymore because of cloud computing, technology is becoming less expensive. So that that reduction in cost can oftentimes lead to more innovation and it kind of democratizes the innovation process because organizations don't need as much money to invest, create some of these new tools. So I think that that's hopefully a, a trend that we're going to start to see. And, you know, those lower costs and that greater access and greater ability to innovate, it can allow us a number of different things. So as the price performance ratio kind of drops, it allows new technology to become those game changers that we want to see. So it enables us, you know, that new technology can help us to better address customer needs, let's say through mobile technology or predictive analytics or behavioral science. But again, because we have an easier access to it and there's potentially a lower cost, we can now see more of that. So, um, if it means, you know, better customer engagement through some of these big data techniques or through some of these, you know, analytics, we're able to connect our devices, right? Again, so going back to the use of the smartphone and some of the other technology, now that that's more accessible and mobile apps are, you know, becoming more prevalent, I think it allows us to use that technology in a different way. But it's going to have significant impacts in terms of the availability of information, and our ability to access in real time, which I think, again, we'll go back to kind of changing some of that that price sensitivity potentially from an industry perspective. So the more that we're able to reduce these costs, I think the more that organizations will be able to embrace this technology. But ultimately, you know, again, in, in many ways, the, the jurisdictional or regulatory issues can still be a roadblock to, to fully embracing that. How will these disruptive technologies change the role of the claim adjuster? Will they eventually replace the adjuster? This is a question we get a lot, and I get asked this a lot. And, you know, the easy answer is no. Uh, ultimately, I think that it's going to change the role of the adjuster. It's going to enhance the role of the adjuster. But it's really going to make the adjuster more of a specialist or more kind of a subject matter expert. The easiest example that I can give that we can start to use as kind of a correlation is some of the technology that we have in our car today, right? So I might have a backup camera in my car that helps me to not have to turn around and kind of look through the two front seats when I'm backing up. I might have lane assist. So if I'm drifting out of my lane, I might get a warning signal. I could have anti-lock brakes on my car so that it helps me, you know, if I slam my foot on the pedal, you know, the anti-lock brake technology will help me to not skid and swerve. But I'm still driving the car. So these technologies help me, and they help me to be a better driver. But ultimately, I'm still the driver of the car. And I think that when we think about all of these technologies, whether it be, you know, whether it be uh, the predictive analytics or big data or, you know, some of the other technologies that we're starting to see from paperless or, you know, whatever it might be, the use of drones. I don't think that it takes away the role of the adjuster. I think it allows the adjuster to use the technology to better do their job. So, you know, as an example, with predictive analytics technology or, you know, using some of this kind of big data to help make better decisions, if an adjuster has, say, 150 claims that they're managing at one time, the analytics can help them to determine 
which claims on any given day need the most attention. So instead of using some sort of kind of arbitrary, I'm going to set a 30-day review, I can use this technology now to say, which are the claims that I need to review today? Not just because happenstance they came up on this 30-day review, but because they need more attention. And it could end up being that this was a file that I just looked at five days ago, but something's changed or new information has come in. And the system can help me to go back and look at that file again and see what it is that's changed and see what it is that's different so that I pay attention to it at that point in time. So I think that it means that the adjuster doesn't go away, but the adjuster now has a whole new set of tools to help them to better do their job, which I think ultimately will will be better for them and it's you know better for the organizations that they work for as well as their clients. What are some of the disruptive technologies that we will see on the horizon? So this is, you know, the kind of crystal ball, right? Looking look into the future a little bit. And I think we're starting to see some of these now. And, you know, again, going back to kind of the, the discussion that we had in the beginning about talking about disruptive technology versus innovation and what the differences are with some of those. I think that for many of these, that's what's making them more disruptive is we're starting to see them in a smaller segment being used and they're kind of gaining a foothold in those segments. And as we begin to kind of accept them or see some of the results, I think they're going to gain wider acceptance. So for some of these, they're not brand new, but I think we're going to see a wider use of them. And I think we're going to see a much more wider acceptance of them uh, in the near future. So the easy one to me is, is telemedicine. I think we're going to start to see more of that now. We started this really from a process perspective when you started to see all of these kind of minute clinics that were opening up. So you you could go to your local pharmacy or certain retailers, and they would sometimes have kind of a mini urgent care clinic where you could see possibly a nurse practitioner or, or a physician for easy medical issues, right? And that was the first step in kind of changing the way that we access healthcare. And I think telemedicine is an offshoot of that. So as people have become more comfortable from a video conferencing perspective, or I'm sure lots of people use FaceTime, you know, nowadays to communicate with people, we've become more comfortable with this technology and we've become more comfortable from a process perspective in terms of how we access healthcare. So I think those two things kind of adding together are really going to start to change the way that we view telemedicine. And I would anticipate that we're going to see a much more wider acceptance of that and a much wider use of it, you know, in the next couple of years. I think wearables, you know, they're going to continue to grow. Many people have some sort of device that they use today, right? So you might have a step tracker, or you might have a smartwatch, you know, some sort of tool that you're using from a wearable perspective. Uh, But I think we're starting to see other kinds of wearables coming into place that assist people with posture, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, sitting appropriately at your desk, that you're standing up certain times, that you're lifting things. I've seen, you know, there's some wearables that are out there today that are in use that are assisting people from a lifting perspective to make sure that they're picking things up correctly. 
you know, and then we just see a variety of new kinds of devices around. There's a customized wearable around hard hat that will help to, you know, relay information uh, in terms of how the hard hat has been used, if there's a fall or a hit or whatever. So I think that we're going to start to see more and more wearables. Um, you know, these wearables are allowing us to do different things because they are also connected to the Internet. So you'll oftentimes hear that term, the Internet of Things, or, you know, the connectivity issues. Many of these wearables and sensors that you've got, you're able to process a lot of data and and share that information. So an offshoot of that is, I think, these mobile health technologies, right? And they're very related to wearables. You're seeing, you know, a lot of mobile apps that are being developed that are tying in or tapping into some of these wearables, and they're kind of blurring the lines uh, between this data collection that we've got going on and how we use it. So all of these different applications, I think, are going to start to, you know, have some significant impacts. You know, if you're using a wearable and you've got a certain kind of app that is driving the collection and the analysis of that data, you could potentially avoid certain medical visits, right? Because now your physician can look at some of this information depending on how you're sharing that with them. So that can be less expensive than an in-person visit. It can also potentially help to increase compliance for certain at-risk patients. So I think thinking about those wearables and the applications that can potentially support them are important in terms of how that information is managed, but again, how we fully use that information. In a similar way, we're seeing that with various organizations in terms of a claim administration app, right? So an adjuster could have an application that's on their, again, on their smartphone, and it's a fully automated system-to-system for intake. So they can be out in the field or they can, you know, be remote and be doing some sort of claim intake and it reduces that kind of repetitive step of, you know, data entry where I'm maybe logging information in in one system or I'm even writing it down. Now I can do some of this, you know, on my on my phone or through some app. That integration with claim systems is what really takes it to the next step. And again, with the technology that we've got on a smartphone, we could see, you know, submission of documents, submission of photos, videos, whatever it might be all being collected and shared, uh, you know, potentially integrating this with maps or GPS tools so that you can get precise and exact coordinates. And then things like voice-to-text dictation through your phone. You know, that's really expanded, I think, and a lot of people use that for sending emails and texts. But I think that's potentially technology that we could, we could see, uh, you know, in other, in other areas. You know, I know that there's a lot of debate and discussion around this. I think another technology that I think we're going to continue to see are these autonomous vehicles. And we're seeing a lot of investment by different organizations, not just from a trucking perspective, but also from a, you know, passenger perspective. So there's a lot of different trials going on, but, uh, you know, some of these different rideshare companies and other internet ventures that are launching their own kind of self-driving or autonomous vehicles, I think we're going to start to see more and more of that. And that's 
going to change a number of different things, as well as, I think, the use of drones. I know that we talked about kind of the use of drones and how we're starting to see it, but I think that drone technology is going to become more prevalent and, um, uh, you know, it's going to be more widely used from both a claim perspective, but also from a safety and risk avoidance perspective. Uh, you know, you can use drones to potentially go out and, you know, check different areas or, uh, you know, utility companies can use it to, you know, look for areas that might need maintenance or service instead of sending people up on wires and lines. So I think we'll probably see more use of drone technology as well. So, uh, you know, and again, I think all of these are somewhat being used today, but I think we're going to see a lot more of them, you know, within the next year or two uh, in terms of both acceptance and use. Uh, and I think that use will be much more widespread than we see today. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks so much, JJ and Taekwon. Please visit the Prima website to listen to other Prima podcasts, join upcoming Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about additional Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have a great day.